Welcome to the Glory Mountain Church Podcast. For more information on our church and ways to support what God is doing here, visit glorymountain.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming. I was just thinking during worship, um, my wife Lauren and I have been at this house for almost 10 years. We started um, back in a warehouse on a Saturday night with these guys. And for that many, for that many years, uh, Mark and Deborah and Mark have been, and Daniel and the whole family have been pouring into our lives. And so it's just an honor to be back home to speak. And um, so I was thinking, I was thinking during worship, you know, why do we follow Jesus? I, why? Um, He's our Lord and Savior, we know that. He hung on the cross for the remission of our sins, we know that. But what's the benefit? Why? We get eternal life, that's cool. Um, For me, it's peace. I was never able to find peace, um, you know, before I found Jesus. And even sometimes now, walking with him, I struggle finding peace. So the, the uh, scripture that you reference in Philippians, the peace that passes all understanding, is something that's really near and dear to me. Today, we're continuing on a series above and beyond. And I'm going to read to you the Ephesians 3.20, which is the banner scripture um, for this series. Now to him... By in the consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above what we dare ask or think or infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. That's pretty cool. That's got to be, is that the message? It's something with a lot of words. Amplified with a lot of words. So... I mean, if we can do great stuff by ourselves, how awesome will we be able to do stuff with him? So bear with me today, um, and I am going to be talking about what in my life is, and I think for a lot of you, the key to winning the most important battle as believers. Um, And that battle is fear. So let me read to you let me read to you Joshua 1.9. So let me, let me set this up for you. Uh, Joshua is taking over this baton of leadership. He's bringing his people into the promised land. And this angel shows up. And here's Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So following Christ is a trust. Um, he, has, he has said to us, if you, if you, if you come in my name, then there's these certain things that I'll do for you. 
And the trust comes with responsibility. Think about, think about our relationships with people. If you're married um, or with your parents, we have responsibility based on the trust that those people have given us. Responsibility carries weight. Um, if I'm not being trusted, in, if I'm not being trusting in my relationship with my wife, um, there's going to be a weight. She's going she's to talk to me about it. And so if we're going to walk in this sacred relationship with trust, if we're going to walk with the Lord in trust, we can't give away what we don't have. And so if we're going to win the battle with fear, if we're going to learn how to lower fear and increase love in all of our relationships, we're going to have to do some work on ourselves. In 2015, um, Roger Jones wrote in the Harvard Business Review a, the top fears of some of the largest CEOs and leaders of corporations on the planet. And the number one fear of leaders is that they would be found out to be an imposter or incompetent or a fraud. And, or that they would think, that people would think that they're underachieving. Now, they would think that they're overly vulnerable, that, which is a funny one to me, because a lot of the things that I talk about is learning how to be vulnerable in leadership, learning how to be vulnerable in relationships, so that the stress that we have, the peace that we don't have, gets out. What I find is when we're hiding, when we're uh, not saying what we mean, when we don't have relationships where we're telling the truth, that increases our stress. So... Uh, the truth will set you free is a scripture, a very small scripture, but it's a very powerful scripture. If we have people in our lives that we have the ability to be uh, truthful with, it's going to lower our fear. So, and the last one on this is never having enough. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, my friend uh, Chris Valentin just wrote a book called um, Poverty and Wealth. <laughs> I almost forgot. And he talks a lot about this, the, this, this poverty spirit versus the wealth mentality. And when we get here uh, to this, this fear of never having enough, I think that what comes in play is, is God big enough to take care of us? Now, most of us will say, well, of course, you know, uh, I confess Jesus or I'm going to confess Jesus. And um, I totally believe that. But I guarantee in my life, there's some areas where I'm not walking in that trust as, as well as I could be. For some, it might be finances. Uh, for others, it might be their children. For others, it might be, am I going to get married? Um, but this never having enough, it, this, this poverty versus wealth mindset doesn't have 100% to do with finances. It has to do with, is God big enough? Am I going to continue to try to control? Or am I going to let God take control of these areas in my life that you know, maybe I'm, I'm holding on to? Uh, 
So, so these CEOs, right? If these CEOs are afraid of being an imposter, or incompetent, a fraud, why are we surprised if some of the best leaders in the world feel this way when we feel this way? Why do we beat ourselves up? Like the voices in my life, um, Mark just talked about a contract earlier, but I've signed contracts that I shouldn't have signed. <laughs> and as we are, as, as our company is performing these contracts, I am there, here's what's going on in my head. You're so stupid. Why did you sign that contract? Why didn't you negotiate harder? Why did you put the company at risk like this? And what's coming out of my mouth is, hey guys, how are we going to fix this to my team? How are we going to bind together and fix my mistake um, as, a, as a leader? How I, I try to be vulnerable and say, look, I got us into this mess. I know the cost reports are, are showing the fact that we're having problems, but what can we do to fix it? Conversely, other members of my team as we go... If there's things happening in operations that uh, are impacting the job, we're saying, how are we going to fix this? But when the job is, Bob did a bad job negotiating and we're having a hard time in operations, then it's all hands on deck. So this never having enough, I, I, I want to just say one last thing about it, is there is enough. God not only owns all the cattle on the hills, he owns all the hills. And in my life, uh, I have been delivered through scary situation after scary situation after scary situation, practically. And, and there's seasons to everything. Seasons to laugh, seasons to cry. Seasons to weep. There's seasons, and we're all in seasons. And these seasons don't last forever. They're seasons. And this is what we're to do as believers is hold on to each other. Somebody might be going through a season of financial instability. Um, Glory Mountain goes through that a lot. We have, we have a small but mighty congregation here who loves each other. And, um, but there's cash flow through seasons. And so what we need to do is make sure that we are praying for this house and for our leaders. And what we want to do is break a spirit of poverty over this house and the leaders and um, all the things that we're doing. If we're blessed, if we're being blessed in our businesses and our jobs, um, this house gets blessed. And so the reason I'm talking to you about these uh, fears of leaders is here's what happens from fear. It's, it's this, I mean, the thing that I do is I isolate myself. And so my, my honest conversation looks like this. Hey, how are you, Bob? Great. How are you? Tell me about your life. No, no, really, I'm really interested. Tell me about your life. But Bob, no, I'm interested in how you are. Uh-huh. But I'm more interested in you. 
And eventually you win because people like to talk about themselves, right? <laughs> so um, you starting to see people isolate. This is a result of fear. Where did, where did this person go? Hey, have you seen? Nope. Have you seen? Nope, nope. You haven't seen him either? Nope. Hmm. Wonder where he went. Well, our call is to go find those guys and bring them back. Where are you? Where have you been? Why are you hiding? If you don't answer the phone, I'm coming over. I mean, that's what we need. Because the shame that's associated with whatever we're afraid about uh, causes us to hide. And, you know, and then if we're leading something, if we're working somewhere, if we're in a relationship, you know, we don't, there's a lack of ownership and follow through. Follow through. How many of you guys feel, let's say, well, I'll just say about me. Sometimes when I'm feeling bad about myself um, at work or at home, I tolerate bad behaviors. I'm not one. Uh, I've been sometimes, you know, part of my personality is, is that I'm blunt or that I joke a lot. And that gets me in trouble. But when I, when I go into isolation, um, I start tolerating bad behaviors. Like, I don't know, the kids bring an axe into the house and start cutting the dining room table in half. And I'm looking at that going, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh yeah, we're making firewood. Oh, huh, that's the dining room table. Yeah, well, that's a great idea. Good job. <laughs> at work, I'm... I'm uh, you know, in a team and we have somebody who's under incredible stress and they're like, you know what? We are just going to show this customer that we're the boss. We're going to do this, that, and the other. And so if I'm feeling bad about myself, I'm saying, yeah, we should show them they're a boss. Do you know what they're doing to us? You know, they're really putting it to us. So let's show them. It comes from a place of not being able to, if you don't have... Um, the correct image is a child of God, then you're going to tolerate these bad behaviors. You'll even tolerate them in yourself. And that's why the mechanism that we have of always coming back to the Lord to say, did I blow it? Did I say something wrong? Did, did I misrepresent myself or the Lord is, is something that that's where our compass is. And the last is withholding generosity. We're afraid that boss isn't paying me enough money. I can't afford Starbucks every day. I am a victim. And, and I'm a victim. I'm powerless. But you're not. You have the ability to go and find another job. I mean, it's not going to be comfortable, but you have the ability to do that. Yeah. If you're in a bad relationship, you have the ability to get out of the relationship. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you run away from anything that's causing you pain. I am saying if you look at yourself first and you see what your part in the situation is and you clean it up and it's still bad, then you have options. We all have options. Um, I am, I am, 
blessed enough to, uh, uh, to serve on uh, various boards, large churches to small churches, and I've served these guys for, for as an advisory. They can only take so much of me, so. Um, but, you know, as, as they go through seasons of, uh, of giving being down, you know, they're not saying, why is giving down? Like, they're saying, what's wrong with us? Right? And it's natural because in, in my situation where I sign a contract that I shouldn't have, I'm saying, why am I so, why am I so dumb that I did that? And, and so I think that the love that you show for this house is amazing. And I think that if we can break sort of this fear of what we have financially, um, and be generous, which this church is super generous, then we have this ecosystem of a culture that's been created to bless, which is what we want to do. So I want to tell you, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you the whole sordid story, but I found, I found Christ when I was 18. So 41 years ago, which means I'm an old guy. And um, I built a business, started building a business the same year, which, which I still have. I was in a 1964 Volkswagen Bug with surf racks, and I started a painting company. And so the ladder went on the surf racks. I never took my surfboard with me, though, because I wanted to look professional. And then, you know, uh, a five-gallon bucket in the back, and uh, whatever I needed. And I, st- I started doing that. And this business just grew and grew and grew. Um, and so today we're doing amazing jobs. But through that, so knowing the Lord since I was 18 and starting a business when I was 18, w- w- what do you think happened? <laughs> All my mistakes as an adult I made in the Lord and got my master's and PhD and whatever else is after that in business, in business. I dropped out of school in my sophomore year at San Diego State. And so, um, you know, there's been, over, over, the, over the years, there's been um, some really tough business cycles in the 80s and the 90s. And those, those really... It, exposed in me. Am I a performance guy? Am I loved by the Lord based on what I'm doing? And yeah, I was. And it took me on this whole 40-year odyssey about understanding shame. And I grew up with an angry dad yeah, so when I found Jesus, what did I find? I, f- I found an angry father. That was the lens was what I, through I saw. And through that lens, um, I could say, Michael, the Lord loves you and blesses you. And all the way around, but in here I didn't believe the same for me, which caused all these... All these um, 
all these just weird behaviors. It led me to drinking. And, you know, the last time I drank, 23 years ago, I had an accident on the freeway where no one was hurt. And um, I spun down the freeway. And the police came and said, that was a fair bit of driving. And I said, yeah, thanks. Um, do you have a license? No, it's not in my gym bag with me. But I know it, you know, N5484607. And I do have my insurance. And when the tow truck came, and the tow truck driver put me in the tow truck and took me, and I didn't get arrested. So that was in November, 23 years ago. And so I started this. I started counseling, I started, I started, I went to outpatient, I went to AA, and you know, my life got turned around. All this is happening in the Lord. Um, and I got to the point where I said, okay, God, I've done this, I've done this enough. You can kill me now. I know you've always wanted to. <laughs> so you can kill me. You know, he's got a big hammer, go ahead. And what happened is he started telling me he loved me, which I didn't, that voice I didn't hear and didn't know. And so he used lots of different people to tell me, you know, Bob, we really love you. And it started to sink in. It wasn't, well, it wasn't even close to immediate. It was, you know, 30 years of walking through, trying to understand um, how could he love a wretch like me even though we sing it and he showed me over and over and over and he's been super faithful but I'll tell you in 1979 um, I went to a Holy Spirit meeting I was I was uh, one year out of high school so I was 18 and I was with a friend who was leading the meeting. And um, so this meeting was crazy. The Holy Spirit fell. Everybody was all over the place. It was not my idea of order. I like order. I like everything ordered, but people were just everywhere. And this older man, and some of you bear with me if you've heard this story, this older man came up to prophesy to me. And um, I was 19. And he, the funny thing is, is he's probably younger than I am now, and I'm calling him an old guy. So he, he, he prophesied, da 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 and God's calling you to be a philanthropist, da 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 So I was a Christian, I'd been a Christian for a year, and I knew that prophecies were supposed to be encouraging, and how dare he call me a philanthropist. So I, I followed him because Blunt Bob, that's what Blunt Bob does. And I said, hey, I thought, um, I thought all prophecy was supposed to be encouraging and uplifting and edifying. He's like, well, what part of it wasn't? And I said, you called me a philanthropist. And he's like, well, what's the matter with that? And I'm like, I don't want to chase women around. <laughs> and he said, what? 
I said, yeah, yeah. Isn't that what a philanthropist people... He said, no, that's a philander. I was like, hmm. Okay. So, what's a philanthropist? And he said to me, it's a person who loves to give away money and stuff. In 1979, you know, I just wrote that off as like some crazy old guy. But it planted something in me I didn't know. It planted something in me. And uh, as I began to get older and as my business began to you know, get better, I was a place where you know, anybody can get a job, right? You're pa- I'm a painter. So I was able to give jobs. I was able to start giving resources away. And finally the Lord in... I don't know, the mid-90s or early 2000s, the Lord reminded me of his story. And he said, I called you out, you know, when you were a kid. And this is why this is happening. So my point of telling you this story is, even in the places and the seasons where you think that God's not speaking, God's speaking. And when you hear um, promptings or still small voices that can't be your thoughts, it's the Lord. It is, I promise. Because my thoughts are, you're dumb, I'm dumb. How could you have been so stupid to do this? Those are my thoughts. But when I start hearing little thoughts like, I love you, I'm proud of you, Um, I've called you. I know it has to be the Lord. You know, and I hope that as I mature in this more and more and more, that actually will be my voice aligned with the Lord's voice. And so that I can understand um, that God's called me. So look at these two questions. Do I have what it takes? What will people think of me? So this is the deepest, uh, these are the deepest questions, and I've talked to lots and lots of people. It boils down to this. Do I have what it takes? Performance. If I perform right, are you, are you going to love me? And what will people think of me? Will you like me if I say really what I mean? Will you like me in, in, in spite of what I say? When I was younger, I would meet people and I would just tell them right off the bat I would say to them hey I'm a bad guy here's all the bad things I do and you know they'd kind of look at me but it was me you know putting up these walls saying if you're going to know me here's who I am so here's all my junk and see you later but a lot of people didn't go away a lot of people just realized oh Bob you're hilarious um I don't know what you think you're doing, but I'm not going away. When we don't live up to performance, our performance expectations, um, we think that we're letting ourselves and other people down. So these questions, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a. Uh, I'm going to give you the answer right now. Yes, you. Yes, you have what it takes. And yes, people like you and love you. More importantly, the Lord does. 
Um, in the business of honor, I, we, I write about this journey from orphan to um, understanding who we are, and I'm just going to go over these um, pretty fast. But let me read. Let me read Romans um, 18 to you. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're God's children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So what this verse is setting up here is that um, our deepest identity is the relational identity in God. This is one of the other answers to the questions, why, should I, why, why am I a Christian? Why do I follow God? Um, God has incredible choices and he gave us choices. He gave us free will. He gave us the ability to be ourselves. We don't have to conform in these little boxes and be Christians. We can be ourselves as people who happen to follow Jesus. So I'm going to go over this fast. You know, what, what is a core belief of an orphan identity? I'm alone. <clears throat> so we know that orphans classically defined are people without parents. But all of us have some type of orphan identity. That based, and what, a, what an orphan says is, there's no one to take care of me, so I have to take care of myself. And, and so we all adopt that mentality in certain situations and areas in our life. Like, I'm going to control this. I'm not going to trust God and acknowledge him in all my ways because I have to take care of this because I don't believe God is big enough to take care of it for me. I mean, absurd, but that's how I think. The orphan thinks it's not safe to ask for help or expose any weaknesses. Do you know how much time I've wasted trying to figure everything out so I can go to someone and say, I'm having this problem, but I figured it out. <laughs> what do you think of my answer? I wasted so many hours. Instead of just saying, hey, I have this problem. Can you help me through it? I'm feeling weak. I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm, I'm feeling scared. Can you help me through it? It's so funny how many hours I wasted at work. I have this amazing, I have this amazing executive team. And I love going to my operations meetings on Tuesday mornings. But I spent so many hours trying to fix the problem before I went to the meetings. When now I'm like, hey guys, we have this issue. What are we going to do about it? And, you know, as our, as our friend says, the wisdom of the crowd always always prevails because there's things that we can't think about on our own that if we bring wise counselors or advisors or team members or our family if we let them in they can help and that's what this is about this life is about is walking together in relationships um, we talked a little bit about there's not enough resources to go around um, I can't really trust other people to care for me 
a, a lot of a lot of this type of mentality in in certain situations you'll hear yourself saying they're not safe i feel unsafe um and that's sort of the words that that you'll hear so at the end of the day okay find somebody that's safe find find people that you trust invest in relationships open yourself up to be intimate to the appropriate levels and hope that they will be too so you can have a relationship that's vulnerable. And the last thing is, I have to take what I can get, settling. I mean, it's such a bummer. God's not calling us to settle. So here's the core beliefs of a child of God. It's a little different. They're all pretty cool. How about my father believes in me and what he's put inside of me? How about if we just meditated on that? That voice that I hear all the time about how dumb I am, if I keep thinking that, my father believes in me and what he's put inside of me, I'm probably going to quiet that voice down. Um, How about the next one? My father will put me in situations that test my limits so that I can grow and learn. And I've got James 1.3 in there. Count it all joy, brothers, for the fiery trials that you go through. For the perfection of your faith. So a lot of times we want to say things like, it's the enemy. The enemy is just attacking me. I'm not strong enough in the Lord. So can you, all you guys pray for the enemy that's attacking me? And maybe sometimes it's the Lord. Maybe the Lord's bringing us through seasons. And he loves us so much that he's willing to take us through this so we can grow and learn. I don't have to be afraid of failure because it's part of learning. That's pretty cool. If, if you ask 99% of the people, do you have fear? Yes. What are you afraid of? Failure. Hmm. Okay. And me too. I'm afraid of failure. I don't want to fail. But because we're a child of God, we will always have enough resources, time, energy, and money. And so if any of those three areas you're not believing for, let's get set free today and believe for them. Let's, let's just say, look, this orphan thinking that, I, that I'm embracing, uh, I don't want that anymore in this area of my life. I don't even like reading this because, you know, it, it brings me back to how am I acting. But if I really saw myself the way the Father sees me, how would I act? Um... Deuteronomy 7, know therefore that God, your God, is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. All right, why don't we just think of four generations or five generations? Our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids are going to be impacted if we start walking the way that the Father sees us in that Confidence that we're not 
pieces of junk. Romans 8.37, no, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in else or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Wow, what a promise. And then Add on to that the, pieces that the piece that passes all understanding. You know, in 1 John, um, I love this scripture. Uh, fear cannot coexist with love because love has to do with punishment. And this God, this Jesus that we're serving does not have to do with punishment. He has to do with love. He loves us enough that he's going to correct us. He loves us enough that he's going to put people in our lives to say, hey, you know what? That's not okay. He loves us enough to take us through seasons. So how do we, how do we go through this? Well, the first and the hardest thing to do in any situation is recognize that we have an issue. And then once we do, once we say things like, oh, I'm trying to control, or I'm holding on to this uh, identity or that identity, or I don't think that I'm loved, then we, we walk through a process, which might be inner healing, you know, sozo prayer, getting prayer, um, encounters with other people. You know, we learn to live out of a partnership with people and with God. If I can walk up to you and say, I'm scared today. I don't think you're just going to say, oh, that's nice. You know, how are you today? I'm scared. What? You're going to say, I wish I hadn't asked him how he was, because now I'm going to have to say something. Right? Um, and, and then as we live out of a partnership, it brings us to this beautiful scripture that we're looking out to the interests of others. And when we look out to the interests of others, you know, we're, we're seeing God's love in action. We're seeing, this is how God feels about this person that I'm talking to. He loves them so much that he is saying these things. So for me, Letting people in, it was very hard because I had some awesome walls up. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but I could, I could be intimidating and punishing. I could be. I could lean forward. I could look like this. And it really just turns people off. They're like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with that guy, but I definitely don't want to talk to him and ask him how he is. And, and so for me, I had to learn... Um, that letting people in was powerful in the process of healing that I went through. Um, and it starts with communicating the truth with what's inside. Now, I'm not saying that you find someone on the street and you tell them your most deepest vulnerable thing. I guess you could, but I wouldn't. But I find a close friend that I've cultivated time and energy with and who I trust and who has told me things about his life or her life that are very vulnerable and I feel safe with. And when you enter into this relationship, most guys you know, don't have really close male relationships. 
um, now you ladies, you, you, you all have great relationships, but then when it comes to the deepest relationships, where's the wall, right? You could be surrounded with wonderful people that laugh and, you know, have tea or coffee or whatever, but do you have someone who you're able to find the heart of the Lord with? Um, it leads to being generous with resources. Um, and something that I have learned to love is feedback. Um, when I hurt my connection with someone and I get feedback that that was not okay, even though it's embarrassing, I have to say thank you for the feedback because my intent is never to hurt you or to do whatever I did. And I mean, I seek feedback. When I'm, on, when I'm with my team, I'm saying, hey, what can I do to help the situation? What can I do to help you? What can I do to make this thing better? You'll find that 99% of feedback or maybe 95% of feedback is positive. You'll find, you'll find that. The people say, no, what are you talking about? You're amazing. Well, I know I'm amazing, but I mean, <laughs> really. But you'll find, you'll find that. And then it'll give you the ability to ask for and receive help. So I'm going to finish with this. Receiving and walking in our relational identity is the key to overcoming our deepest insecurities and fears in order to build a life of connection and love. So if we know, I'm going to tell you, I know that I am a loved son of God. I know that now. Maybe 10, five years ago, I couldn't say that to you, but I know it now. I am secure in who I am. Um, and if we can get to that place of understanding that we are loved children of God, then um, it's going to break these insecurities and fears that we have. And we will build loving, connected relationships with everywhere we go. On to different levels, you'll have the close circle and... You'll have, and it'll go out like that. But you'll have a life that is really, really fulfilling. So um, why doesn't everybody stand up? Because I would like to, I would like to uh, pray for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for hanging on the cross for the remission of our sins. Thank you for being real. Thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, and I pray now that we all could ask for forgiveness for building our identities apart from you. Lord, I repent in every area of my life where I am shutting you out. Lord, and I ask for all here all that are watching um, on video that you would give them the ability to see themselves as you. 
Lord, I pray that you would reveal any lies that we're believing about you or about ourselves and that you supernaturally would replace them with the truth about who we are and about how you are and about how you see us. Lord, I ask for freedom from fear of failure, from striving, from performance. Lord, um, for the fear of punishment, Lord, you are not a punisher. Lord, that you would deliver us from pleasing men. And Lord, I ask right now for all of us that you would deepen our intimacy with you, that you would bring people around us who see us like you see us. And I ask, Lord, that love would win over fear. I just pray, 1 John 4, over these people, that since love doesn't have to do with punishment, we can walk in love. Lord, settle on us now. Give us that peace that passes all understanding, Lord. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today and being a vital part of what God is doing in his people. We hope that this message impacted you and that you were blessed. We would love to connect with you about this message and what God is doing in your heart. You can email us at info at glorymountain.com or visit our website, glorymountain.com. You can also give online to support what God is doing at Glory Mountain. Have a blessed week.